Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. And today we're going to be talking about the NFL football football football, <laughs> football. <laughs> why okay what i could remember of the giants uh, browns game was that it wasn't spectacular browns just did what they had to do because the giants weren't particularly impressive i mean we handled our business quite well the only points the giants put up were two field goals that whole game and we put up two touchdowns and two field goals ourselves. And at no point were we behind. We did have a lot of penalties for some reason that game. That was towards the end of this year. We, we started getting a little out of hand with the penalties. Mm-hmm. Not so bad with our third down efficiencies, but yeah, what I can remember, we played our game. Baker Mayfield has been turning more into a passing quarterback. For some reason, they haven't been running the ball as much. I, I'm not really sure why. I mean, only 106 rushing yards, which it kind of blows my mind. I mean, my only thing I can guess is that the head coach Kevin Stefanski didn't want the Browns to be a one-dimensional team, but when your one dimension is really freaking good, <laughs> you should still be doing it. <laughs> yeah. So that's just a quick run through. I mean, it wasn't a game of consequence other than that towards the end of the season, we had to keep on winning. And I think that was the same week that the Steelers had lost against the Bengals. So we were getting excited because there was a real possibility that we could be playing for the division title against Pittsburgh on the last week of the season. The Giants weren't a team of any consequence. They weren't a very good team, weren't very well organized. Not anybody worth really talking about too much. Then the following week, we played the Jets. Now, that was a game that we should have won, hands down. Spoiler alert, we obviously didn't win that. But the tricky part there was that the day before the game, so it's Saturday afternoon, all four of our starting wide receivers were put on the COVID-19 list and made ineligible to play because one or more of them tested positive for COVID-19. And then the others were tagged with distance tracing, been within six feet of him at some point during the day. So all four were immediately taken uh, off of that game and put on the COVID-19 list. So they didn't make the trip out to New York and they had to take three guys from the, you know, second, third and fourth string and another guy off the practice squad the night before and fly them out to New York. And no kidding, the head coach, Kevin Stefanski, told those players in the parking garage of the stadium what the game plan was because they did not practice with the team. Yeah, I remember seeing the four wide receivers not being eligible and thinking, ooh, this is going to be rough on (laughs) Yeah, and it was. It was very rough. It was just bad looking, bad passing, not much of a run game again. And we ended up losing that one 23 to 16. Yeah, it was just just bad. It was just embarrassing. (laughs) I hate spoiler teams because the problem was, is that everyone knew the Jets were trying to lose. At least the the coaching staff and the, the team owners wanted the team to lose so that way they can get a better draft pick. But players are players and they have some self-respect for themselves. And to an extent, I understand that. I get that. You know, these guys, you know, they don't want to be come off as losers or bad at their job, you know, so they want to try to win. Right. But winning this game had absolutely no consequence for those players. <laughs> there was no way that any of those guys were going to get traded to a better team or, or anything because they played for such a bad team. Yeah. The Jets winning did accomplish nothing other than to make life harder on the Browns, which aren't a big rival for them because they're not in the same division. 
it was just a, a all around just a disappointing, frustrating game. I'm sure there are people out there say, well, you know, that's just how the season goes and next man up. And yeah, but it's really hard when your game plan changes the night before. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not so much the game plan change so much as the fact that the people that you were counting to be on the field aren't there the night before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's sort of like, uh, what the heck? <laughs> right. And so now you got a quarterback who's throwing to guys he's never had to throw to before. <laughs> yep. So that was a, a very, very disappointing loss. So we roll into last week against the Steelers in Cleveland. Still have playoff hopes. All we needed to do was either beat the Steelers or have Indianapolis lose or one of three teams, Indianapolis, Miami, or Las Vegas lose. Honestly, we had a better chance of us beating the Steelers because the Steelers who had already won the division title were resting most of their starters, you know, their quarterback, star wide receiver, star rushing, uh, running back. And we were starting all of our starters, knock on wood, hopefully (laughs) (laughs) most of them did show up. Most of them were there. It was a much closer game than it probably should have been, but with a little luck and with a good offense, I mean, our offense definitely came through when they needed to in the fourth quarter and needed to get ahead. But it was definitely a little bit of luck because the last touchdown the Steelers made, they tried to tie it up with a two point conversion that they missed mm, okay. or that they didn't complete. It was a very good game, very close game. But looking at it and knowing that some of your key players were, were either hurt or out. We won the game, and it was the first time that the Browns have won a place in the NFL postseason in 18 years. 18 (laughs) years. The last time the Browns had made the playoffs was in 2003. I had just graduated from high school the May before that. (laughs) So it's been since I was in high school (laughs) or just out of high school since the Browns had had been in a playoff game. Which was exciting. It was a little, you know, you wanted to jump up and down, but this is one of the things that, you know, in the time of COVID, you celebrated, but you didn't really celebrate because you didn't have anybody to celebrate with. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sadly. Yes, sadly. But we finished strong. We finished 11 and 5. Again, a winning record that we haven't had in 10 years. The Browns are showing a lot of good effort and a lot of good playing when it counts on the offensive side of the ball our defense is just wrecked i mean it's just tough our we don't have good linebackers right now and that's who got hurt olivier vernon defensive tackle he usually plays opposite of miles garrett that's kind of a blow to our already kind of banged up and lackluster defense because normally the offensive line brings all the attention on miles garrett and mm-hmm. usually olivier vernon can get in and, and get the sack where miles garrett doesn't so now that we got a little bit of a hole there so now, what does all this mean? We end up with the seventh seed. The Pittsburgh Steelers were on the third seed. So who do we play first game of the playoffs? On the, you know, wild card weekend. We play the Pittsburgh Steelers again in Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's just so crazy. <laughs> yeah, so we'll play them for the third time in the season. The very next day after that game, the Browns closed their facility yet again because somebody on the coaching staff and a couple of players tested positive for COVID-19. Who, Bruce? Who could it possibly have been that tested positive? Well, one of them was our head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Ooh. Yes. Uh, another one is uh, our guard, our starting guard on the offensive side of the ball, Joel Betonio. And I can't remember who the third guy is, but he was a defensive player that wasn't as big of an impact, but still. So. Come Sunday, the Browns will be without their head coach on the sideline. The offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt, he will be making the calls. He will be acting head coach. And we'll have some other players plugged in where we need them. 
couple players did come off the COVID-19 list. Yay. <laughs> but <laughs> we're already going up against a very tough Pittsburgh team that'll have all of their starters, including Ben Roethlisberger and their wide receivers and, and running backs and, and everybody else against our beaten up offense and defense, our weakened offense and defense. Had all of our players been able and coaches been able to show up for this game uh, on Sunday, I would say we had a pretty decent chance. I think our chances are okay going into Sunday. Right now, the odds are the Browns are six-point underdogs. Wow. Honestly, I would that actually gives me a little bit of cause for optimism because I would think that as beat up as the the offense and all this COVID stuff's been for the Browns and most of the Steelers being healthy, I would think that point spread would be higher than that. But, you know, uh, Sunday, turn it on the TV, try to watch as much as I can and uh, just enjoy the fact that we're here and that I think this is the first of many postseason games that the Browns will be part of. As long as we continue to have the players that we have and the coach that we have, I think that we're looking at a turning point for the Browns because since the Browns were moved from Cleveland to Baltimore and this new Browns team had started in the early 2000s, it's not been a great team. It's not been a great legacy. And I think we finally have a team that we could be proud of that we could say that even if we don't make playoffs that we're going to be in a we're already in a competitive division three of the four teams in our division are in the playoffs and if uh, joe burrow hadn't blown his achilles it probably would have been all four teams that would have been something nice <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it for the browns i, I know there's a bit more uh, abbreviated than we normally do but what more can you say i mean it's an exciting time we're in the playoffs we're gonna have our first playoff game in almost 20 years and the one thing that you hear on uh, cleveland sports radio and sports talk is that there are kids today that have never seen a winning cleveland browns team there are going to be kids who are going to watch this and go it's been a long time i've never seen a winning team so i'm going to enjoy this for what it's worth <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's kind of nice to see the Browns get in and to finally have a team put together after so many years of just not having a team for some reason. <laughs> yep. Going through coach after coach and quarterback after quarterback. <laughs> I'll go into this a little bit, but the, I think the draft kind of spoils a lot of people. Because they always go after the, the quarterbacks, right? Oh, I'm going to get this really great quarterback, and he's going to fix everything. And the reality is your quarterback can only do so much. <laughs> you know, he needs a front line. He needs offensive weapons. And he needs a defense that can get him back on the field. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and I think that's what's been strange was that all of those pieces that you just talked about were kind of put in together. And it wasn't all done by draft. So a lot of it was done through deal making from the previous uh, general manager, John Dorsey was his name. And he put these pieces together and actually made these big deals and brought these big players in. And like you said, you know, we got an offensive line that can hold the best of them and give the, this quarterback time to throw. And he's got people to throw to now. And then we've got running backs that, can't be stopped. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if we switch gears to the Cowboys, it's it's been very strange. <laughs> this is the only Them way boys. to put it. Yeah. So coming off the the we we lost the Ravens, then we we beat the Bengals pretty handily, I might add. And this is the Bengals who have somehow you know beat the Steelers. <laughs> and let's be honest, I think I think the Cowboys would have beaten the Steelers if the refs hadn't given them the game. Mm -hmm. And we go up against the 49ers and. We looked like a professional football team. And this is true of the, the next game against the Eagles as well. We looked good. I, I don't know why <laughs> we looked good. <laughs> Pollock 
and uh, Zeke and even Andy Dalton. They all looked like they knew what their job was and they could play their job. And the offensive line wasn't like floundering constantly. I got to say the Eagles was less surprising because they they weren't even playing with their starting quarterback. Right. And the Eagles are not a good team. They're pretty terrible. But the 49ers was a big surprise. It was a close game, 41-33. So it wasn't that... You know, it wasn't like we stomped all over them or anything, but we played it. You know, we played a slightly over their level and the 49ers aren't great this year either. Obviously, we beat them, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was still surprising. So and it, it's good to see Zeke putting yardage up again. He has been for the most of this year trash. And then on the same the same level, C.D. Lamb caught some balls at the right time. Unlike always, I think he ended this season because, you know, we'll get to the Cowboys-Giants games, but he ended with like 30 dropped passes or 30-something dropped passes. I mean, think about that. Like, literally, the quarterback did his job. He put the ball in Lamb's hands. Right, like he was physically able to touch the ball. Yeah, and the (laughs) ball went through his hands. And it wasn't, you know, a couple of them, sure. Was Lamb reaching? Yes, he was. Should he have been able to make that catch? Yes, he should have. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's always that adage. If you can touch the ball, you should be able to catch it. <laughs> I think it was, I want to say it was the Ravens or the Washington game where Dalton threw up the ball into the end zone and like last game of the second quarter, yeah, last, last play of the second quarter and Lamb jumps up and he beats everybody in the air and he has his hands in the ball and it would have been a touchdown and the ball just slips through his hands and it's just like, damn it, Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you think of that movie, The Replacements, you know, and uh, I can't remember that that actor's name, but they end up putting glue on his hands. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, this don't look natural. <laughs> that oh, that is so spot on <laughs> about how I feel about about Lance. the improvement of the team. Do you think that it might be that you know maybe these guys? just started playing their own game because a lot of what I've been hearing about the Cowboys is that their coach, Mike McCarthy, doesn't seem to fit with how this team has their strengths, you know, that he plays a different type of football than what he's got. That might be true. The honest truth is I I don't like to judge a coach with his football team on the first year because that may be true. But if McCarthy's going to stick around, then the truth is he's going to mold the team into what he wants. I mean, that's often the reason teams don't play well the first two to three years they're with a new coach is because the coach is not used to how this team has been played uh, and what the previous coaching staff was trying to build towards that kind of a thing. So, that I mean, that's entirely possible. That's an interesting point that you put there. This isn't a my team's better than yours, but one of the reasons why the Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski is being talked about for coach of the year is that this was his first year and he is completely turn the team around and a lot of what they say is that what he does is play to the strengths of his players of the quarterback you know he sets up the offensive line to make holes for the running backs he allows for more play action and bootleg plays for the quarterback to either get out of the pocket to make a throw or to be able to stand up and make a throw in the pocket instead of trying to reinvent the team for a third time you know, he collaborated with the quarterback and they came up with a plan that brought the, to their strengths instead of saying, OK, well, this is how a good quarterback does things. He goes, OK, this is what you do well. So let's just do this. That way we don't get you killed. Yeah, I couldn't say what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is some of that. But that would mean that McCarthy's taking his hands off of him, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem terribly likely. So I, I it could be more that the coaching staff has gotten used to what kind of team this is and what this team can do. 
Mm-hmm. That's just the thoughts on that one. Mm-hmm. So game against the Eagles, we we it was you know we won that game too, thirty seven seventeen. And again, I think the last time we played the Eagles, it looked like two high school teams slapping each other. Is how I described it. <laughs> this looked like a high school team playing against a college team. Is <laughs> what it looked like. You know, the Cowboys being the college team this time, <laughs> which is directly opposite of the last time we played the Washington football team, which was only a month prior. It looked like a college team, you know, beating up a high school team. So it seemed like there was a lot more cohesion. And it seemed like beating the Eagles kind of lit a fire under us. Because here's the thing, like we lost to the Washington football team. That means that inside the NFC least, the Washington football team is kind of leading because they beat everybody else, right? Right. At least coming up to this. And they beat, they beat the Cowboys twice this year. This is a team, I think, that at this point had just gotten rid of their starting quarterback or benched him. Who, the Eagles? No, the Washington football team. Right, yeah. Did you hear that story? No, I didn't. This is a little fun story. Their quarterback... Dwayne Haskins was caught on video in a strip club not wearing a mask. Mm, nice. <laughs> so, you know, and this is the team that is currently in the lead of the NFC least. Because <laughs> I think at this point, everybody was like three and something or four and something. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so... <laughs> They're all terrible, all of them. And and the <laughs> NFC East is is Washington football team, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Eagles. I'm just thinking of uh, the first episode of uh, Bob's Burgers. He goes, I love you all, but you're all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going into the Eagles game, there was a chance that if we beat the Eagles, and on top of this, the Giants had been playing well too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which was mind-boggling. And so if we beat the Eagles, then we actually still had a chance to win the division and go to the playoffs, which is mind-blowing because we'd won like five games the whole season. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that's the NFC East. And so beating the Eagles was kind of mind-blowing. I mean, felt good. No, no, but, but, and we looked like a football team. So walking into the Giants game, there was a lot of question. And it was the same on both sides. Whoever won that game, had a chance to go to the playoffs if the Washington football team lost to the Eagles because that was their final game. So it's the Cowboys-Giants for our final game, Washington and uh, the Eagles for their final game. For the Cowboys and the Giants, it was kind of a big game. Like, it mattered. Like And, and nobody saw that coming, right? Nobody on either team, <laughs> if you had asked them halfway through the season or two-thirds through the season, neither team would have said, oh, yeah, that last game is going to matter. <laughs> you know, we just kind of dragged down to the end. But it turned out it did. It was a very close game. Both teams had problems. CeeDee Lamb managed to drop the ball at least twice, I noticed, at very pivotal moments. Zeke was okay, but he wasn't great. The final score ended up being 23-19. It it was very much a game of who has the ball last. Uh, And it wasn't that because it was a shootout. It was just because both teams were paired against each other. They, They were about at each other's level. Sadly, the Cowboys go down to that, so they have no chance of getting to the playoffs. So the Giants are sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, if the Eagles beat the the Washington football team, we could go to the playoffs. The Eagles, from what everybody can tell, more or less threw that game. (laughs) Right, because like if I remember correctly, they had Jalen Hurts as their quarterback, and he, I guess, botched one play. And so they pull him for their third string guy, who just is just terrible. And 
every like you said, everybody was like, "What? Why? Why? Why did you bench Jalen Hurts? He was doing okay. Yeah, he messed up that one time, but but look at where you're at now. It couldn't have been worse." <laughs> right, kind of left everybody sort of scratching their heads as to why they did that. But you know, eh, there's a lot of money involved in football. <laughs> it's, it's like anything involving a lot of money. I kind of assume there's stuff going on on the side. So, but who knows? Either way, both the Cowboys and the Giants are out. It looks like the Washington football team is going and none of the other teams in the NFC least have any shot at all of a, um, a wild card. So it's done. <laughs> it's over for us. We're out of the playoffs, which is fine. Basically, I'm going to watch the Browns from the now on. From now on, if I watch for the one game that they might be in, yeah. I, as the Steelers have not looked good this year, they really haven't. No, so I don't think you're as bad as you have as bad of a shot as you think you have. I hope not, but it, it's one of those those things that it just seems like at the towards the end of this year, all of a sudden, just one thing after another one and not big things, but one little thing after another has just kind of gotten in the way. And that happens. And especially with COVID, it was just, it's so funny that we've gone through most of the season dealing with COVID pretty well. Then all of a sudden the last month has just gone straight to hell. Yeah. Part of being a Browns fan, part of being a Cleveland sports team is to kind of just not get your hopes up to kind of just go, well, here we go. You know, roll your eyes. Go, here, <laughs> here we go, go again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to watch the game. Like I said, I'm going to watch as much of it as I can, but uh, I'm happy that we're in the playoffs at all because two years ago we went 0 and 16. We were the second team in NFL history to go 0 and 16, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm not getting too down on myself because I'm just happy that we're here, but I will say this, you know, something that you, you brought up that going into the last week, even the Cowboys and the Giants had hopes of going to the playoffs. And I kind of, like this new playoff system of three wildcard teams because it makes it so that way there are more interesting games at the end of the season. Because like as I talked about, there were three or four different scenarios that would put the Browns in or out of the playoffs. And I think that makes it more interesting. Now, granted, it's a lot more interesting when all those teams have winning records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if they're getting in with a losing record, you kind of go, okay, uh, well. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, some divisions are terrible. <laughs> right. That's just what you end up with. But I think it extends the interest in the season a little bit further out that there's a possibility that there's a lot more math and a lot more brackets and in scenarios and so it keeps you invested in it so i kind of like this system i hope they keep this system you know and i think that it definitely college football can look to as an example that hey more teams in a playoff system means more entertainment and more people interested yeah and that was exactly my thought i was like well you know this could be a good example for the college football system (laughs) if you did power five and group five and you did the uh, each you know division within the conference champion that would give you 20 teams right uh-huh. and then you kind of have to come up with another 12 which i think you could pull that off because that's uh, that's really what i think we need to expand or is it 36 4 8 16 32 yeah i'd like to i'd like to see it go to 32 uh-huh. i know that makes for a long college football season but i also don't care <laughs> 32 16 8 4 2 so it's five games in a bracket right so then yeah what you would end up doing is kind of shortening the regular season i suppose by maybe two games and include the conference championship in that regular season you know and then going into that like you said that 32 bracket because see the five games 
if you were to go off the standard like 16 game season right. for the the NFL, so that leaves 11 games, say one game for the conference championship. So that's still 10 games. You're only taking two away from the regular season. Yeah, and and to be honest, I think you sh- you could go down to just a conference, uh, just like we did it this year for COVID. Mm-hmm. So you drop down to like 10 games, 10 to 12 games a season. Mm-hmm. And that's your season, and then you play other conferences in in the playoffs, and that's mm-hmm. it. I I think that's honestly, I think that's the way you should do it. But mm-hmm. nobody cares what I think. I was reading an article on on ESPN, and it was about what we were talking about. You know, teams that deserve to be in that weren't in it. One of them, I think, was Coastal Carolina, who had an undefeated season. Because you know, people will say, "Well, they didn't have any tough opponents." Well, that's not their fault necessarily. They don't make up the the schedules. And oftentimes, if you want to play tougher teams, those teams have to be interested in playing you. There has to be an agreement to play teams outside of your conference. So this kind of forces those teams in there. And you know what? If they get blown out, then all that it proves is that, you know, yes, those power fives deserve their their name, you know, the power five. But it adds that element of chance, you know, that to, for these schools to prove themselves, you know. I think in the long run, it probably opens up recruiting to a lot of these schools for kids in high schools who want to be the heroes, much like the last couple of quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns, you know, Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel. They were hoping to be the heroes for for the Cleveland Browns. Who wouldn't want to be a hero for for a college team? You know, hey, you brought up Coastal Carolina, but I'll bring up Cincinnati, who went eight and mm-hmm. or went nine and zero, but they, they were undefeated in the team. And the only game they lost was their bowl game. And that was against Georgia. Uh-huh. An SEC team that has made the college playoffs three years or f- yeah, I want it two to three years. A bunch, and they're always in the mix in the SEC. Right. And so, they, I mean, you know, granted, and we talked a lot about how being the king of the hill in a crappy conference doesn't get you much, but sometimes you're good, <laughs> but you're not, you're because of the, because college football is such a beauty pageant. They're always going to get looked askance. I really do think it would give teams like that a chance, a chance they really deserve. Well, and I think that right now college football is kind of going into this evolution of, of almost professional sports at this point. And that kind of stuff is what makes you more professional is the chance to have these little teams become big time heroes. Yeah. Like in baseball, I mean, as much as the Padres are a bad team, they've won a world series in the last 10 years. You know, there have definitely been surprise teams in Major League Baseball uh, playoff system. Yep. Well, it happens in basketball, too. I mean, <laughs> somehow the Mavericks won one basketball championship. Well, in the NFL, last year was Ryan Tannehill's first year with, with the Tennessee Titans, and they almost went to the Super Bowl. They were in the conference championship against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they, they almost won that game. I think there's some exciting times coming up ahead if college football, you know, as an organization could get their heads out of their <laughs> yeah, the NCAA. That's tough. Yeah. The other news that came out today for AM fans was that Kellen Bond has decided not to take the extension option and put himself in the 2021 NFL draft. And it makes sense for him because the unpredictability of the next college football season versus getting paid a minimum of $610,000 a year for the first four years, that beats waiting around a year to see if maybe you can get in with a better program. I mean, even if he's not ready and he's he does one year and out, he'll still make plenty of good money and still get the same kind of exposure that he would at A&M and not get paid at all. Yeah, I, I can never blame a college kid for going pro. I really can't mm-hmm. because the truth, the solid truth is you don't make money when you're a college football player. And if you're a college football, 
think there's more risk in staying in college than there is going professional. Right. Because if you get injured in college, that's it. You're, you have no chance at a, a career in the pros. And if let's be honest, if you're playing college ball, then you're being treated like a professional, more or less. Yeah. Certainly if you're in a power five conference. Yeah. You're, you're barely a student. Barely. Mm-hmm. You're, you're meeting literally the minimum academic requirements that are more or less fashioned around student athletes, <laughs> you know, in order for them to be able to play their games and qualify as being students. And while I don't really mind that, and I, I think if they're going to play at a college, they probably need to still be uh, students and everything. I, I, expecting them to stick around for four years when they have half or more of a million dollars staring them in the face. That doesn't it doesn't make any sense at all to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. For half a million dollars, you can buy yourself a decent house and go back to college and pay for it in full. Which, if I remember correctly, is kind of what Manziel did. (laughs) (laughs) After he got drummed out of, you know, every football league there was. So, I mean, you go, yeah, but these kids, you know, they need to get an education. They can always get education once they get money. <laughs> but I think um, it's been an interesting year as we wrap up football and go into the, the dark – well, for me, the dark hole that is uh, that is between the end of football season and the start of baseball season. I, I've decided to pay, take up hockey to kind of fill in that, that, that gap. <laughs> Which I don't know, may or may not be a better thing than me watching basketball. <laughs> oh, man. Hockey starts on the 13th of January, and I've chosen to follow the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Cleveland doesn't have a hockey team. Columbus does. But since I'm just getting into hockey, I'm going to go with the winner on this one and the one that's close to my current home, which is Tampa. Makes sense. But we'll see. It looks like basketball is going back to business as usual. Yep, pretty much. It's every couple of nights. I don't expect we'll report on basketball unless we get to, you know, the playoffs and either of our teams are in it and we want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same thing's going to go for hockey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely a little bit too much to cover at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll cover the last Browns game. I'll probably want to talk about the college football playoff or the championship game because I'll watch that. And, and then we'll cover the Browns as far as they go. So that's that's kind of the deal, folks. Running pretty far down on sports. I wouldn't expect uh, maybe one, maybe two more episodes on sports until mid-year if they do the Olympics, in which case we'll be back in full strength. <laughs> we have a website. Go check it out. PatandTheFatMan.com. Leave us comments, suggestions, comments. Uh, Vote in our polls whenever they happen. Uh, we'll be getting back to doing movies, so we'll cover the second movie that people polled for, which is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We've done the first movie. It's in the can, so expect that out in a couple weeks or a month from now. And we've done – we need to do Ferris Bueller's Day Off and then probably going to start back down the Star Wars trail. So I, I think we, we started football mid-episode three, so those, those – uh, <laughs> The final episodes on those will be coming out, which, you know, honestly, is about the distance between when we recorded them. So, you know, you'll get the full effect. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we do appreciate you. If you uh, feel like supporting us, head over to Patreon, Pat the Fat Man, and uh, we'll have our eternal gratitude. As always, share and like and and do all the stuff with with our, our program here. This has been another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Stay classy. Go Browns.
Let me just double check my math here. Let's start stabbing people. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,